The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the second half of our show today, the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com. Now, today we're going to, in this half hour, we're going to talk about challenging conversations that are very common in healthcare. You know, if you have a new diagnosis of a, of a condition or a disease, if you have a complication in surgery... If you have, you have to have um, end-of-life conversation with someone who's just going into hospice, for example. These are not easy conversations. And with us today to talk about this is Elaine C. Meyer. She's a PhD. She's a co-founder and director for the Institute for Professionalism and Ethical Practice at Boston Children's Hospital. Boston Children's Hospital. She's also the Associate Professor of Psychology at Harvard, at Harvard Medical School. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you for having me, Patricia. Yeah, and also I know that you have done a recent TED Talk. uh, Yes, I have, yes. On being present and not perfect, and that's on YouTube. And what you talk about there is, you know, how you can illustrate the gaps we have in healthcare communication and how do we close them. So let's talk about that. I mean, how, you know, it's such an important conversation and most people are very afraid to talk about these tough things. Mm-hmm. How do you help people start? Because what I hear, here's what I get. I don't want to talk about that. Not saying, but I can see you're in pain. Uh, it's okay. I'm dealing with it. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I don't want to. No, I, I, I handled it in my own way, Patricia. Well, did you cry about it? Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And you can see the whole body is contracting as they're saying this. Well, I think, Patricia, what we've done um, at our institute at Boston Children's is to really help our clinicians. And when I talk about the clinicians, I mean the physicians, the nurses, our child life specialists, our chaplains, our social workers, to really to have our clinicians feel more comfortable with these conversations. So we've done quite a bit of training, and uh, we find that not only can these be difficult conversations for patients and their families uh, to raise these issues, but oftentimes our clinicians don't feel especially well prepared for the conversations either. And Mm -hmm. so um, to the extent that we can help our clinicians feel more confident and more comfortable with these conversations, listening, raising these issues, uh, listening to people's stories and understanding them, then we find that people feel more willing to go into these, uh, you know, deeper into these conversations and that our patients and their families can be better heard and better understood. Mm. So it's, it's about other people talking about it and opening the door so that you feel more comfortable? 
I think that that's a big part of it. Um, I think uh, Carl Rogers, who was a very famous psychotherapy uh, psychotherapist, used to say, one anxious person in the room is enough. Mm. And I've mm. thought about that a lot. And in my work, what I've tried to do is to help our clinical staff to feel more comfortable, less anxious about raising these issues and listening to people's stories so that we can create the conditions so that people feel comfortable and they feel that they're going to be listened to. Now, part of this, uh, you know, there's, there's some steps to this, which is to make sure that the conditions are right so that, uh, you know, if, again, if we're in a really hurried or um, rushed situation, it's harder to hold these conversations. So, um, taking time to create the conditions, the environment, making sure that we have the time to hold these conversations. And even if we have only five minutes, we can really make those five minutes count by sitting down, by listening, uh, by not interrupting the patient when they're raising these issues, Mm. by trying to validate um, some of their worries, and also asking open-ended questions so that the conversation can continue not necessarily trying to cheer people up, but going to that place that might be more scary for them or a little bit more sad for them. Um, demonstrating so asking to, them how they feel. Like say, absolutely. How you feel absolutely. About yeah. And, and really showing that it matters to you, that you really care, that uh, you want to listen to what they have to say rather than you do all the talking as the clinician. Right, so, Elaine, here's a question. You know, what about those people who would listen to this and say, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's too painful. I've got it compartmentalized in my brain. It's over mm-hmm. here. I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So my question is, that little compartment, that's got to go somewhere in the body, doesn't it? Doesn't it affect mm-hmm. us somewhere when we're not really sharing? Well, I think, you know, everybody has their comfort zone in terms of how deep to go with these conversations. To mm-hmm. me, it speaks a lot about the trust in the relationship uh, with the, between the patient and the care provider. And so I think what's at the heart of this is really how do we establish trust? How do mm-hmm. we have a relationship that there is trust and there's also uh, a give and take? I think it's an issue of readiness. If a person isn't ready to have the conversation, you can't force this conversation. But what you can do is to say, when you are ready, I'm here to listen. I'm ready to have this conversation and to partner with you. There are times when there might be a health issue that is really pressing and the timing may be such that we need to have the conversation right away. If it's a health emergency, a crisis of some sort, But oftentimes, we do have opportunities ahead of time, and the idea is that we don't want to be having these conversations when we're in up against the wall and when decisions have to be made right away, but we want to do it in a more thoughtful and uh, measured way so that people can really think it through and understand their own feelings about it, talk with Mm -hmm. people in their life who are important to them. And so we want to model that, that these conversations really matter. Um, you know, you can make a difference in someone's life one conversation at a time. In, in your TED Talk, which was called On Being Present, Not Perfect, you share the Wizard of Oz metaphor. Tell us about mm-hmm. that. Sure. Well, one of the things that I've found in my, uh, in my teaching 
is that people, uh, our clinicians try so hard. They really, really want to get it right in terms of holding these conversations. But sometimes they get anxious too. And so I oftentimes teach people about the Wizard of Oz metaphor. And if you think about um, the, the lion, the scarecrow, and the tin man, you can really think about uh, those maybe being the key ingredients for these conversations. So the lion, if you think about what he went to Oz for and what he was looking for, he was looking for courage. And courage is such an important part of these conversations. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, willingness and a lot of leadership um, to sit with a person who is in a difficult health situation. So it takes a lot of courage. I think that that's the foundation uh, for these conversations. The scarecrow, uh, if you think about the Wizard of Oz story, he went to Oz and he was looking for brains. So another key ingredient of these conversations is the the brains. Uh, That would mean the knowledge, the information uh, that a clinician might be able to share with a patient or family. Uh, Let's say there was a new diagnosis of diabetes or breast cancers, uh, what have you. You really want to have a clinician with you who understands that, uh, the, the medical situation and can help you to understand it in a way that doesn't frighten you, but that uh, conveys to you that there are things that we can do together as a team uh, to tackle this issue. And so the brains uh, of it and the sort of the knowledge base are very, very important. And mm. then that third ingredient, which is the tin man, is, of course, the heart. That's what the Tin Man went to Oz for. And to me, this is really the piece about compassion and kindness and being with our patients and so that our patients feel held and their family, uh, their family members also feel held in these, uh, in these conversations and during these times of transition with their health. Um, and yeah. I think a lot of those conversations have to do with hope and how we might be able to transform hope for our patients and to do that together as a team. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I do on my radio program. I mean, if I were to define what it is, it's all about hope for people. And, and I, think, um, I think that is one of the areas that we need. Sometimes it's more diminished than others. Mm-hmm. We don't realize the impact of a kind word or somebody mm-hmm. really getting it or somebody mm-hmm. really being in our corner when we're scared. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we gloss over that or mm-hmm. it really does make a huge difference in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I like to think of it as those small kindnesses that we can exchange every single day. You have no idea how far a smile will go, a mm-hmm. hand on the shoulder. A lot of times we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as clinicians, now I'm speaking, uh, to say exactly the right thing, to have it be perfect. And what we realize is that sometimes it's, it's not even what we say, it's how we are, it's who we are. To be present for a person, to let them know that we're going to stay with them, perhaps through a difficult procedure, we're going to sit with them and we're going to help them to understand what the results of a test might mean. And so it is those little kindnesses that really, really add up. And when you think about the healthcare experiences that you might have, sometimes it's those little kindnesses that can make all the difference 
that you feel that you trust your clinician. Um, and that's another thing that we try to explain to our clinicians in terms of being attentive to those moments, those opportunities where we can reach out and be genuine and um, reach people sort of on a human-to-human level. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are talking about conversations that matter, conversations, healthcare conversations that are often the most challenging, and how we can work with those. And my guest is Elaine C. Meyer, who is the co-founder and director for the Institute of Professionalism and Ethical Practice at Boston Children's Hospital and associate professor of psychology at Harvard Medical School. And we'll be right back with Elaine right after the break. Right here on the Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Stay tuned, folks. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Well, hello everybody. We are back and I'm Patricia Raskin. We're here for the Patricia Raskin Show. And we are talking about challenging conversations, particularly in healthcare, from conveying a serious diagnosis and disclosing a medical error to an ethical situation surrounding end-of-life care. Now, these are, these are tough conversations, end-of-life issues. And with us by phone is Elaine C. Mayer. She's co-founder and director for the Institute for Professionalism and Ethical Practice at Boston Children's Hospital. She is also the Associate Professor of Psychology at Harvard Medical School, and she recently did a TED Talk, which is a very, very popular. It's about 1,000 hits a month, and it's all about on being present 
and not perfect. And she really talks about communication and healthcare and how you can have effective conversations. Welcome back, Elaine. Thank you. All right, so how can people learn about the TED Talk and watch the TED Talk? Well, probably the easiest way to watch the TED Talk is just to go on Google and you can put in Elaine Meyer, uh, that's M-E-Y-E-R, and the title of the talk is On Being Present, Not Perfect. Mm -hmm. So if you just do that, you can go right ahead and you can watch it. Um, And on the TED Talk, I try to talk a little bit about my own personal experience as a clinician when I felt very unprepared to hold challenging conversations in healthcare. And I also share some of my own personal experiences as a patient where I learned how important it was to hold these conversations and uh, to do them well. And then I also have the opportunity to talk a little bit about how we train clinicians at Boston Children's Hospital to feel more capable and comfortable holding these conversations. Let's talk about that training. What are some of the things that you do? Sure. Well, we have a series of workshops through our institute, and uh, what we like to do is to bring clinicians together. We, are, we like to think of it as the one-room schoolhouse, so we train our clinicians uh, in an interdisciplinary fashion, so physicians, nurses together, social workers, child life specialists, because we feel our philosophy is that we learn so much when we are learning together with people who come from different backgrounds and different disciplines. We love, for instance, to have our medical interpreters, our chaplains training with us. So we bring together really diverse parts of our um, clinical team, and we hold half-day and full-day workshops. And what we like to do is together we, uh, we strategize, we talk about what's worked for us, we talk about where the areas of uh, sort of the problem areas are, and probably the showcase of our workshops is what we call realistic enactments with our actors. We work mm-hmm. with, with professional actors so that our clinicians mm-hmm. get a chance to practice these conversations. The other thing I should say is that we always, in our workshops, we have patients and we have family members who teach with us so that they have really worked with our actors so that they can portray um, the situations accurately and uh, realistically. And our family members, our family faculty, our full-fledged faculty members who really can help coach our clinicians and to guide them so that they can make patients and uh, family members feel comfortable in these conversations to help uh, choose the right kinds of words, but to not be overly uh, hung up on getting exactly the right word, but to realize that so much of it has to, be, uh, has to do with having the right intentions with these conversations and the building of the trust in that what, patient uh, relationship. Yeah, what do you find are the stumbling blocks often clinicians face? Is it that they're afraid they're going to say the wrong word? Is it that they don't know what to say? I mean, what, where do you find that they need some guidance? For the clinicians, I think part of it is there's a little bit of a hurdle to get over in terms of their own anxiety. Most mm-hmm. clinicians want to do a very excellent job, uh, which is what we expect from them. And I must say that most of our resources and the time 
uh, in terms of our medical and nursing education uh, and what have you, is really focused on our technical skill acquisition and expertise. And so much less is focused on what I would call the communication and relational aspects of training. And so at our institute at Boston Children's, we're really trying to remedy this situation. And I like to think of it as helping clinicians to really establish the other half of the medical equation, which is the emotional standard of care, so that we can have our clinicians feeling like they're capable, they don't need to be afraid. But if they come in and they really listen well, if they show um, a curiosity and are attentive and have a certain amount of humility, that their patients will open up to them and to create those conditions so that their patients feel that they can come forward and maybe say, you know, there's been something on my mind. Um, Can I tell you about that? And that our clinicians won't rush them, that our Mm -hmm. clinicians won't say, well, um, you know, there's other things more important to speak about so that One strategy that we like to teach our clinicians, uh, for instance, is that early on in a conversation is that we ask the patient and the family members, you know, what is it that's important that we make sure that we talk about today in our in our appointment? So that it's not only the clinician's agenda, yeah, it's it's the patient's agenda. Yeah. Um, What do you find or what have been some of the comments, the results from all of this work from patients, from clinicians? What have What is the net positive feedback? Well, the net positive feedback, we've done quite a few, uh, published several articles, and the results so far, we've looked at the self-report from the clinician's um, perspective, and there's five things, really. Uh, When they have this kind of training, first of all, they feel more prepared to hold these conversations. They feel more confident they feel that they have a greater repertoire of communication skills. They also feel better able to establish relationships with their patients and to um, uphold relationships with their patients. And lastly, we're finding that our clinicians report less anxiety around initiating and holding these conversations. Also, right now, we're in the process uh, with some of our um, patients in uh, pediatric neurology. We're actually conducting a study now where we're asking the families to help us understand that for clinicians who go through this kind of training, what kind of a difference does it make to the patients and the families, which, of course, is the most important outcome of all. So hopefully I can tell you about that when we have the data all in on that. All right, Elaine, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? What's your message? Well, I think the message that I would leave them with is that these conversations matter so much and that I hope that when they have their next appointment with their, um, with their care provider, that they'll take a moment and, uh, you know, ask that question that maybe that's been, you know, in the back of their mind. And for our clinicians, I would ask that they just, you know, sit down, take a deep breath, listen, Try not to interrupt and use words that everyone can understand. Sometimes a drawing can be very helpful and that really to talk about how to hold these difficult conversations and we find then that they're not so difficult after all. Thank you so much. How can people find out more in terms of the TED Talk and also going on a website? Sure. People can find out more and can certainly watch the TED Talk by Googling Elaine Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R, on being present, not perfect, and they can, uh, they'll find the TED Talk pop right up. 
And then the website for our institute at Boston Children's Hospital is www.ipepweb.org. That's www.ipepweb.org. Oh, that explains everything. This has been wonderful. Really appreciate you coming on the program. And Thank sharing. you so much, Patricia. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity. Welcome. All right, stay on the line for a minute. My guest has been Elaine Mayer. Is that how I say it? Mayer. Yes. Co-founder Mayer. and director, Institute for Professionalism and Ethical Practice at Boston Children's Hospital, as well as the Associate Professor of Psychology at Harvard Medical School. All right, folks, so remember, stay happy, stay healthy, get the support you need. You know you can make the dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin for the Patricia Raskin Show. Have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.